Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. To start this new series, Last Words, and uh, we're looking at, uh, in these next couple weeks, we're looking at Resurrection Sunday coming up, a great time, and we can celebrate one of the greatest holidays of the year, even exceeds Christmas because of, because of the significance of what took place. Uh, and so in these next uh, few weeks, we're going to look at some of these last words, uh, and it's a time for us to remember that event that happened on the cross and the resurrection that took place and how it has impacted the world that we live in. And so we know that uh, before we can make it to the resurrection, we have to walk through the cross. And Judas has betrayed Jesus, and faced the, now he's faced the ruling council and, and Pilate, and uh, if only to be sent to the cross um, with a cu- to die beside a couple rebels. And Jesus hung on the cross for about six hours from about nine in the morning approximately to about three o'clock in the afternoon. And during this time, he made uh, seven expressions which are so significant, there's a complete picture of his ministry as, as he spoke from them in his heart. And the first and the middle and the last of these expressions were prayers. First and last, he was uh, talking to his father, of course, and the first three were on the behalf of other people, and the last were three were for himself. And the fifth statement was exceptionally human. And the sixth was essentially divine. But, but the fourth and the central statement was a representative of the sinning world for which he died. Because remember, Jesus did not go on that cross for no reason. He didn't just die on the cross just simply as a martyr. He gave his life on the cross to be able to give us hope and to buy us back from the clutches of sin. And out of these seven expressions that, we're, uh, that we know that Jesus made, today we're going to focus on one of those pivotal ones uh, for just a little bit in John 19, verse 10, and he says, it is finished. Before we go to that passage, there's something else that we must consider. Earlier on in Jesus' ministry, we know he met the woman at the well, at Jacob's well in Sychar, and Jesus had sat down and was talking to her, and, he was st- and she was starting to understand who Jesus was. She was getting a handle on who this guy is, and she was catching on to the hope that Jesus was bringing to everybody, that he was making available to anybody who had put their faith in him. And when Jesus' disciples brought Jesus some food at that point in time, uh, he wouldn't eat it. <laughs> and he, bas- he basically said something to them. He said in John chapter 4, verse 34, these words, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. That's what he was called for to finish his work, and that's what he was going to live on, is serving and ministering to the lives of people. Jesus was confident. Number one, he knew who he was. He knew where he came from, and he knew where he was going. The fact, uh, he, in fact, he said over in John chapter 5, verse 36, six, these words, he says, 
I have testimony weightier than that of John the Baptist. He said, for the work that the Father has given me to finish, the very word, works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. He knew that he had a very specific work that he had to do, and he was going to work, he was going to labor until that was taken care of. And that's what he did. He was confident. Before we go too far this morning, let me ask you this question as well. Are you willing to stick with your spiritual responsibilities till they're finished? We all must ask ourselves that now and then. We all have some spiritual responsibilities. Are we willing to stick it out for the long haul? Now let's look together. If you'll open your Bibles, it should be on the screen or maybe on your uh, YouVersion app. Uh, pull up John chapter 19. We're going to look at verse 28 and look at what he says here. It says, later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. Remember, he's way up on the cross. They had to get it onto a pole to get to him. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. He gave his, hand, gave his life back into the hands of the Father. But he says, knowing everything had been finished, Jesus knew that he was fulfilling the work that the Father had planned to do, for him to do in the beginning. And Jesus had already said over in John 17, verse 4, these words. He said, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That was what he had said to the Father. Jesus took on the work that he was given and he proclaimed the kingdom of God. He explained what it took to get into the kingdom of God, to be part of God's kingdom. Jesus reminded those who thought they had it all down that they were mistaken by their traditions and pulled away by their traditions. He healed the sick. He raised those who were dead. Lazarus was one of those guys and Jesus showed compassion to those who were outcasts like the guys with leprosy, the woman at the well, different ones. He engaged them, and he trained up his own disciples, even though one of those guys betrayed him and turned him over. And the Bible foretold that that would happen. But now he has become the ultimate sacrifice for sin, as we understand the book of Hebrews shows us he knew everything had been finished. He, know, he knew that he has wrapped it up. And to use a perfect tense in it is finished in the original language indicates full completion of Jesus' work. Total completion. And the establishment of a basis for faith. So we can put our trust in God simply because of what he has done for us. And nothing further needs to be done. We don't have to add anything to what he has done. Jesus' act was voluntary and confident, for he had discharged perfectly the Father's purpose. And he was leaving the scene of this human struggle. Later on, the Apostle Paul, uh, he confirmed that Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection was enough. It was sufficient. Nothing else needed to be added. We we see in Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9, it says, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, 
not by works, so that no one can boast. And the only one that's doing the work is God himself through his son Christ. And Jesus gave his life on that cross. But that work has been finished for us. And thinking about what Jesus did on the cross that day, we realize that his work was finished. We don't really have anything to add to it but trust. That's the only thing we add. We add trust. We, we put our faith in him. We expect that what he did was sufficient and we look to him in faith. And Paul goes on over into Romans chapter 10 in verses 9 to 11. He says these words that we're also familiar with. He said, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, as Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. I love that little verse. That verse 11, I love that because if we put our faith in him, if we honestly put our trust in him, we won't be put to shame. We just need to look to him in simple faith and trust, accepting uh, that his death on the cross was enough to pay for our own sinfulness. As Pastor Michael alluded to before, we've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. We understand that. We know that we needed hope. We needed to put our faith in him because we were in a mess. The scripture also says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. So we needed somebody who would give their life for us so that we would have that friendship, that connection, that relationship with God. Jesus finished his work, but he finished it with focus. There's nothing for us to add. Jesus does his part with his focus and by finishing well. And it, it's difficult really to even understand or to fathom what he went through for you and I on that cross. It's unbelievable to think how he was whipped as he was. It's just horrible. Went to that cross. Sometimes we make it so clean and pretty and beautiful as we look at our nice little crosses. We don't think about the seriousness, or the gravity of what he went for and what he went through on our place, in our place. But we can sit back and we can give him thanks and thank him for what he's done. And I'm more than thankful. He, he prayed beforehand. He knew what was coming. He knew what was heading his way. And he said, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, Father, let your will be done. He said, God, I'll, I'll, God the Father, I'll, I'll do what I need to do here. And he finished with focus, with his eyes on you. See, that's the thing is we have to remember. He had his focus not only on the Father and what he was doing, but he had his eyes on each and every one of us. Because he says, I love you. I love you. And I love you. He loves each and every one. Even, I'm sure that he even had his eyes focused on those who were crucifying him. Because he loves people. He was with the Father at creation. No matter how evil they were, he loves people and he cares for them and he wanted to give them eternal life. Even for the very religious leaders that gave him a difficult time. Many times Jesus called them to task, not because he didn't love them. And I think sometimes we misunderstand that. It's not that he didn't love them. He did love them, but they had a responsibility for the spiritual welfare 
uh, of the people of their day. And Jesus was usually correcting them so that they would do the right thing. And he held, he held those leaders to a higher level of responsibility. Yet, uh, yet even some of them came to faith. We know scripture tells us even in the book of Acts uh, that, that many priests became obedient to the faith. And sometimes we don't think about that when we read through, read through the Gospels and we see how Jesus gave them a hard time. But many people that were at that level gave their lives to serve the Lord Jesus. And we understand that and how important it is. Do you keep your focus to the finish? Do you keep your focus there? There are some things that really don't matter that we finish them in our lives. And uh, maybe a project that you started or maybe a hobby or those kind of things. Uh, Say maybe you wanted to go in your backyard. You saw this great picture on a magazine of a gazebo. And you're like, that gazebo is just the most awesome, fantastic gazebo I've ever seen. And so you decide, I am going to build a gazebo. And so you go to the, go to the home center and you bring a truck and trailer and, and you get all the lumber. You fill your truck up, you fill the trailer up and, and you're excited about doing it. And you, you get one of those, those, uh, those uh, post hole diggers. Does anybody know what those are? Do you know what those are? Not the one with the gas engine, but you get the hand one. You want to be, yeah, you want to be tough. Got to lower our voice here. Uh, and you get down there and you start digging the holes, right? Have you ever done that? When I was a kid, we used to set on that thing while dad, while dad spinned that thing so we could dig down in the ground. The things we did, that's not part of the sermon. But anyhow, so, you're, so you're, you're digging down and you get down and it gets so hard that you can't dig anymore hardly and you finally get discouraged. And you're like, I, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. I can't keep going like this. And so you finally, you take the, uh, the uh, post hole digger, you throw it to the side, you clean it off, you put it in the garage, and you think, I'm not doing this. And so you take all that lumber that you had, that you had taken off and you had tarped and you kept it off the ground so the water didn't get under it or get in it and ruin it. And so you take all that lumber and you take it back to the home center. You get it there and you say, I've got my receipt. I don't want to do this project anymore. I'm too tired of it. And so then you go back there, they, you, they give you your money back, and they, they just shake their head. Have you ever done that? Don't raise your hand. Anyway, <laughs> honestly, though, if you don't finish that kind of project, it really doesn't matter, does it? It's not going to harm you. It's no, no, no foul. And, and you, got, you may, may have gotten over your head, but that's okay, but... This isn't really something of eternal value, but one day that gazebo we know will rot anyway. So, but if, if you're going to finish something, you have to be able to keep focused to be able to do it. So even when you get into the hard times, you needed to look at a picture maybe, maybe the building plans to think, hey, that's what I'm going to do. That's, that's the end result, and that's what Jesus did. He was looking at you and I. He was looking at each of, each of us and he, with care in his heart as he went to the cross to give his life there for us. But also for us as well, we need to make sure that we have the appropriate vision while we're here on this earth. One, we need to have heaven as our home. We need to make sure that we are interested in making heaven our home. But we also need to make sure that in our hearts and in our minds that we have in our focus that God will be our friend. And that can happen through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We need to keep our focus if we are going to keep running this race that God has called each and every one of us to run. Jesus kept his focus on finishing and his vision was the final product. It was us and everyone who will accept him by faith. And We have to be able to keep our focuses on what we are doing and then our faith. He's offered to give you a new life and to provide the way for you to become a friend of his, like Abraham. If you're young or old, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your past. Don't miss out on what God has for you. Sometimes people think, oh, there's nothing good that can happen in my life at this point. I don't know how God can do anything good and me, but God can take your past situation. He can take your current situation. If you're willing to focus on him and allow him to work in your life and through your life, all we have to do is recognize that he is willing to do that and look to him in faith. Consider a woman named uh, Susan Boyle. I'm sure that many in here know who that is when I say that name. And not everybody, but many. Susan Boyle was from Scotland, Scotland in the UK, and, and she came to the international attention when she appeared as a contestant of the TV show uh, Britain's Got Talent. Well, we're not in Britain, but we got her on America's Got Talent, I think, right? So back in April 11th of 2009, this lady, uh, she was singing the song I Dreamed a Dream from Les Miserables. And she was about 48 when she tried out on that show on that, as a contestant. And she became, after this, she became the UK's best-selling debut album of all time. Now I want to just mention something there. Think, that's Beatles. You've got, you got all of those people for years, and she beat them all. This 48-year-old curly-haired lady, right? I think it's curly-haired. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> And then it shows that she went on, uh, I Dreamed a Dream, set a record for the biggest first week sales by debut, debut album in the UK, topping the Billboard 200 for six weeks. It was the second best-selling album of 2009 uh, in the United States. In her first year of fame, Boyle made five million bucks. No, she made five million pounds. I don't know what, it, what the rate is now. It's about 165 maybe. I don't know last time I saw, but that's $1.65 to buy a pound or whatever it is. That's a lot of dough. And I'm not here to talk about the cash and that kind of thing or the fame. But it's, she became a champion later on in her life. And I think it's important for us as followers of Jesus to remember that no matter what our situation is and no matter where we have been, God can use us in our life. Some of you probably are sitting in your chair there saying, God will never use me and I don't know how he can, but I will tell you that God would probably say to you, yes, I can use you and work in your life. And I can give you a second chance or a third chance. Because I believe he's just big enough to do that kind of thing. And I believe he cares enough about you to do that kind of thing as well. John chapter 19, let's look back there, verse 28 again, and look at that passage. Knowing that everything had now been finished, and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. 
a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put it put the stalk of a put the sponge on the stalk of a hyssop plant, lifted it up to Jesus' lips, and when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It's finished. With that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He died. He gave his life into the hands of the Father. That phrase, I'm thirsty, really comes from Psalm chapter 69, verse 21, and it says this, it says, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. There's oh so, oh so many different scriptures that have been fulfilled in the life of Christ and the death and the resurrection of Christ. Too many to offer this morning, but as he took a drink, he said, it is finished, that was it. He gave his life, his work was finished. It's here where all of so many of the Old Testament scriptures have been fulfilled. We even find this in in verse 32 this morning. It says this out of John 19. It says the soldiers came, therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. As I said, it was brutal. In 1968, in, uh, uh, in an archaeological find, some many people had questioned for years, did they really do crucifixion in the time of Jesus? You know how people always slur things out and say, I don't know that that's real, they would say. And then in 1968, they, they discovered uh, the heel bone of a man uh, who had been crucified on a Roman cross in that time period. And uh, his, uh, his uh, legs, his heels were nailed, spiked to the side of the, uh, of the beam, the upright beam. Uh, they said the wood is so hard, it bent, it bent the nails as well. And, it, of course, it could not come out of his heel. And usually what they would do, because these guys, if they wanted them to die quicker, because the only way they could breathe is because they're being hung up there like this, is if they put pressure on their legs. And so to be able to stop that from happening, to make them die quick, they just bam, break their legs. And so then they collapse and they can't keep themselves alive. They didn't have to do that with Jesus. He died before that ever happened. And he bore that for us, that we might be forgiven, that we might be brought into the kingdom of God. Sorry for the uh, horrible details, but the facts are the facts. Jesus gave his life for us, that we might be brought into the family of God, that we might be forgiven, that we might have the hope of glory, that we may be friends of God, children of God. I'm grateful for what he did for us on the cross. Now he goes on and it says there in verse 34, it says, instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water, the man, I missed a, did I miss a scripture there? But Okay, verse 33, but when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that uh, you all, you also may believe these things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, 
they will look on the one they have pierced. Jesus was pierced, unlike the others beside him, evidently. He was pierced for us. If we look back even over in Isaiah chapter 53, it tells us he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. This morning we have something to celebrate and to give thanks for. Because Jesus gave his life for us so that we could have hope. So that we could be redeemed and brought into the household of God. Jesus finished his business. He finished the work of redemption on the cross that day. And yes, he will be risen, we understand. But we have to ask ourselves something. Have we finished? Have we finished our part? Now, we know that we can't add anything to what he's done. The only thing that we could do is put our faith and our trust in him based on the grace of God and what he has done on the cross. Have you given your life to Christ? If you haven't, today is the day to do that, to put your faith and your trust in him, knowing that he can give you hope. He died for you. He died in your place. It's a vicarious death. A vicarious death it's a death instead of us he gave his life for us what else have you left unfinished in your life I'm not sure could it be sharing faith to others maybe that's one of those things as you consider what God has you to offer us we have these on your chairs probably this morning give those to you to your neighbors to your friends your enemies and re remind them that God loves them. You know, they say it takes seven times to invite somebody before they'll actually come. But what, what is left unfinished in your life? Would you stand with me this morning? I'm not sure where you're at in your faith and your walk with Him. But I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you to look to Him. Look to Him in faith. Look to Him in trust. And ask Him to guide you so that you can finish what he has started and finished for you, but finish what he's called you to do. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the strength that you give to us. We thank you, Lord, that we can't add, in, we can't add to what you have done on the cross for us. You have opened the door for us to come to faith. All we have to do is simply put our trust in you that confess it, what you have done for us and put our faith in you. And I ask you, Father God, that you would help each and every one of us this morning, that we would recognize what it is that we've left unfinished and what it is that we need to make right with you so that as we move from this place today, we can do your will in our lives with the right focus, with heaven as our focus, with our relationship, with you as our focus, just as you had a focus when you gave your life on the cross. We give you thanks, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.